Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. What's the fail rate on the mute button? (laughs) What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. That's creeping me out right now. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I had a roach in my shoe. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. If this was bigger, it would kill me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, a very, very important episode. We're going to (laughs) really dive deep. It's the stuff that freaks us out. Yeah. I mean, we went to our (laughs) Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash What Fresh Hell cast. And we asked, what are your weird fears? Everybody has them. Yes. I had some that I saw reflected on here. I always had a fear of sitting with the back of my head. I went to college in New York City. I had a big window and my bed was against the window. And sometimes I would sit in bed to do my work and I could lean against the window with my back to the window, but then I would get this really freaky feeling that someone was going to shoot me (laughs) through the window, which like, why would someone do that? It's unclear. But I think I just saw too many movies of like that thing where you get the red dot on your head when someone's trying to shoot you from a distance. Yeah. There was nobody near me. There's no assassination attempt out on me. But the sensation of sitting with the back of my head towards an open window, I just, it would give me the creepy crawlies. I couldn't do it. This is like my daughter when she was six. We watched Edward Scissorhands as a family. It's a, uh, I think it might be PG-13. Edward Scissorhands is not a bad guy, but if you're six, he is. And she was certain he was going to come through the window of our apartment building on the 36th floor and get her while she was sleeping. <laughs> he doesn't fly. He's not Edward Flying Legs. No. He's not Edward Wings for Feet. He's Edward Scissorhands. And nor did he ever do that in the movie. Like, he didn't get anybody, let alone through a window high up in the air. Frankly, it would be hard for him to push the elevator button with his scissor hands. I finally said we have a, our apartment building as a doorman, and I finally told it they just wouldn't let him upstairs. That they... They'd be like, scissor hands? No, I'm, I'm afraid the Wilsons have you on, on their do not admit list. Scissor hands, Edward. I don't see you here. No, I don't see you. on. The, in fact, I see you on the do not enter list because one of the members of the household is afraid of you. <laughs> I mean, so fears don't have to be rational. We're not here to judge your fears. We are here to laugh at them, but we're not going to judge them. We're just going to laugh at them and then say if we also have these fears or not, I suppose. Is that where this is going? I mean, that is exactly, in fact, where this is going. Michelle is afraid of feet being touched by someone else's 
feet. And Chelsea is afraid of someone else touching her feet. So we have both sides of the fear being touched by the feet of others and having others touch your feet, specifically for Chelsea, her toes. Uh, yeah, you're pretty weirded out by bare feet, right? Like if there's socks on, are you okay with them? Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of bare feet. Like when you see those pictures on airplanes where people have their bare feet up on the seats, I mean, that is disgusting and unacceptable. And why are we even talking about it? But in general, I don't mind bare feet at a beach, although it's slightly gross. I don't mind them. Aqua socks would be perfectly acceptable at your beach. Aqua socks, fine. But yeah, other people's feet are gross. And yeah, my kids will occasionally like, you know how kids like, why would you? It's a chair. It's so clearly designed. You put your butt on the square part and then your feet hang down. But they're always reinventing it, you know, like one foot over the back and one foot on the kitchen table. Like why? The chair clearly functions a different way. Why do we need to, quote unquote, improve on it? It's very clear how you're supposed to be sitting. My kids knew like no feet where we eat was basically like the first sentence. Oh, that's it. You love a rhyme and you love marketing. Easy to remember. And no feet where you eat is a good one. This takes me to my own irrational fear. I don't at all mind walking into the ocean, right? I don't mind the sandy bottom of a bay or ocean, but please don't make me walk on a lake bottom. Like a goopy lake bottom? I have an irrational fear. Well, is there a non-goopy lake bottom? We go to a lake that has a sandy entrance, but then it has goop um, patches. And I have my sensory kid. He will stand on the dock and he's like, goop or no goop. Like he's very obsessed with lake goop. And he's right. I mean, being touched by slimy lake goop is disgusting. My brother-in-law who grew up on the lake... He's just like, whatever. He'll like swim through the kelp bed like Aquaman. Like he doesn't even really compute the term. He's like, well, it's hard. It's just weeds. It's just this. It's just that. It's like wet grass. Disgusting. Oh, yeah. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I would say I was talking to someone the other night and they said very matter of factly, well, you don't like you're afraid of grass and jazz. So like you're afraid of everything. You're afraid of jazz. I just really don't like jazz. It freaks you out. It doesn't have to be afraid of it. It just freaks you I'm out. I'm not particularly afraid of it. But the sensation of like bling, 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 like that is it rattles my teeth. So not like Louis Armstrong, like weird alternative or experimental jazz freaks you out. Real jazz where everyone's just kind of like, bling, 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 bling. I just, I don't want to listen to that. Standards are okay. I got it. Yeah. I mean, a jazzy tune, who could argue? But like when you think of that discordant jazz, that bothers my sensibilities. Okay. As does the sensation of walking across any grass barefoot, but wet grass. Okay. I confess, don't make me do it. Like I walking barefoot on wet grass, it's not so much a fear as a grossness factor. Have you seen those memes? They're so funny of babies. We seem to have like an innate fear of grass, like babies being set down on grass and they pick up their feet. Have you seen this? I'll put the link in the show notes. That's me. I am that baby. While we're on body parts, Cassie has a fear of pinching her fingers. Someone has to set up and tear down tables. Okay. She will carry them, but don't dare touch the metal finger traps. I have a friend whose child managed to take off one of their fingertips in a folding mop. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're, they're dangerous. He did get it sewed back on. It's fine, by the way. But yeah, pinching 
somehow the table, even if your fingers are nowhere near the hinges, there is that fear that the hinges will somehow jump forward and grab you. This is now I'm getting freaked out. I'm getting freaked out real time. So I'm going to move on to a non injurious freak me out. Jillian says she hates kneecaps. She can't handle somebody touching her kneecaps and she can't watch anyone else touch their own kneecaps or other people's kneecaps. She can't do it. I don't think, says Jillian, I've ever voluntarily touched a kneecap in my life. I mean, I shave my own, but I don't touch them with my hands. Wow. A fear of even her own kneecaps. That goes deep. She has never touched her own kneecaps in her life. I'm touching one of my kneecaps right now, now that I think about it. I love my kneecaps. I'm, I'm touching mine. It's totally fine. I don't love mine. I don't have any feelings towards it. I feel completely neutral towards my own kneecaps. I, though, have a pathological... Again, I'm a lot on the borderline of fear and just oogged out by... Uh-huh. Like, ugh. By being touched by anyone's elbows. So my kids, you know, the kids, like if I put my elbow on you right now, that would be fine with you? It would be, I guess I'm trying to think of like a circumstance. Like if you brushed me with your elbow while you were like putting on your coat or something, I wouldn't be like, oh, get away from me. No, my kids know, like if we're snuggling, if they put in a sharp elbow, it's not even that it hurts. The sensation of an elbow digging into me is horrendous. And I have found... I'm not a big massage person. I don't get a ton of massages. But if sometimes I forget when they say, is there anything you should know? The biggest thing I say is I don't want to be touched by your elbows at all. Yeah, they really get in there with the numb because it gives them more leverage. It's torture for me. Like that someone digging into my back using their elbow is to me the grossest sensation. I would rather them just like put their sweaty feet on my forehead. Like I'll keep I, th- this in mind. Digging elbows, that elbow bone, it just gives me the absolute creeps. And sometimes I forget to say it before a massage. And then sometimes I say it and the people are kind of like, well, that's like how I do massages. And I say, well, you you can charge me the same, but you have to skip that part. I don't want you digging at me with an elbow. It's disgusting. This is taking me back to being pregnant with One of my kids in particular, like my second pregnancy and the end of the pregnancy where it starts to get like speaking of things that freak you out. It's a little bit like evident. Alien life. Yeah. And I could see like his elbow going by across my stomach, like from the inside. You could just I could just tell it was an elbow as opposed to a knee or a heel or something. And it would just like ripple across my stomach sometimes. And I showed it to my husband and then he asked that I not show him that anymore because it was freaking him out as well. I'm like, what's happening to me? I don't know why. It's like being attacked by a vulture or something. Someone touching you with their elbows. It's grotesque. I am really glad that Elizabeth weighed in on another one of my fears. When I was thinking about my biggest fears, this has stayed with me for my whole life. Elizabeth says, when I was a pretty small child, somewhere between four and seven, I was convinced that when I flushed the toilet after dark, witches would come out to get me. I would flush as fast as I could, then run screaming from the bathroom yelling, the witches are coming. I admit, even now, I feel a little twinge of fear when I flush the toilet before I go to bed. This is just like Edward Scissorhands. Like you were sort of conflating. I bet, Elizabeth, you never saw a movie where witches came out of the toilet, but you it was two scary things that get more scary together or something. I find this on the airplane that I feel that the violent flushing of the toilet and keeping the airplane in the air are somehow not compatible. Like that giant, like why does the airplane toilet have to be like, like it's such a scary sound. And I just think like 
this doesn't seem smart to be doing this in a flying tin can. Like that scares me. But my sister and I would talk to each other and try to freak each other out when we were little. And one of the things we talked about was like jaws in the toilet that like a shark. Now, puzzle me this, Amy. How would a shark bite you on the butt while you're using the toilet? It doesn't really make any sense. But somehow my sister and I implanted the idea that there was a shark in the toilet (laughs) and that it would bite you. And could be. Yeah, that there could be. Again, the physics don't make a lot of sense. No. Nope. These are saltwater-based animals. They do not exist in... And they're they're much too large to do you any damage if they were toilet-sized. And yet... And if it was like a nurse shark, it wouldn't even be that dangerous if it bit you. <laughs> but, you know, but still. Yeah, as soon as we break this fear down, it falls apart <laughs> very quickly. But, but it could have happened. I was scared of it. Jamie says, not witches, but when I was little, I thought a scary toilet monster was going to come out if I flushed it at night. Anna says it was snakes for me. I learned to hold my pee until the sun came up for years. This is fascinating that people are like, I was scared of something in the toilet, but only when it was dark outside, not when it was daytime. Well, this is an interesting wrinkle that I was scared of the butt shark 24-7. Sure, sure. But at night, it didn't get worse at night. But these people, Amanda says snake in the toilet, terrified of going to the bathroom again in the middle of the night. And there's a serpent waiting to take a bite out of my booty. Now, I hate to turn the tides on this because we're laughing because these are ridiculous fears. This could not happen. You crazy people. You might want to skip ahead. Along comes Sarah. I'm afraid we cannot skip ahead. This is journalism, Amy. We have to. Pre- <laughs> this is the truth. We have to present the truth as we find it, not the truth as we want it to be. That's right. Sarah says, when I was in high school, I was in the shower and I heard something splashing around in the toilet. I had just used it a few minutes before, opened the lid, and there was a giant rat inside. Apparently, the city had been working on the sewer line outside of our house, and a rat crawled through an open slot. She is still traumatized 25 years later, and now she has traumatized the rest of us. For the next 25 years. Correct. Because I'm like, that couldn't happen, but it did. That, oh my God. I mean. No, I'm never the same. Yeah. It's very vulnerable, you know, like using the potty. And and this is the worst fear come to life. Secret rats, surprise rats, always terrifying. I had a friend who was working at their desk once. Upstairs apartment was doing construction and a rat fell through and landed on their head while they were writing. And I was like, what do you do from there? Do you get slipped into a medically induced coma and have the... Eternal sunshine of the sweet, peaceful sleep. Spotless mind treatment done <laughs> right. to you because there's certainly no way to just continue on with life after a rat has fallen on your head. No. All right. Well, we'll move past the uh, vermin in the toilet. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Okay. I'm going to just lay it out for you that there's like a 99.9% chance that there is nothing in the toilet when you use it. So don't be scared. It's almost certainly not going to happen. All right. We'll be right back <laughs> with even more things that freak us out. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew, and believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a (laughs) pro-aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies, and as soon as they start standing or walking, 
I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, Catherine is afraid that the mute button is secretly on in meetings. Yes. This just happened to me. Well, let Catherine tell her tale and then I'll tell mine. I work remotely and I'm always afraid that I'm secretly not on mute in meetings. Like the icon says I am, but what if it's lying and all my coworkers can hear me crunching and slurping or messaging? And what if the camera is secretly on and they can see the weird expressions I make when no one is looking? I mean, this is something to be afraid of. It totally happens. I just was in a yoga class. I do a Zoom yoga class often, all the time. Thank goodness there's not that many of us in the yoga class, but you know, we see each other and I put myself on mute. I swear I had myself on mute. Then like halfway through the yoga class, I hadn't taken it in a while. So I was going like, oh, like Jesus Christ. Like, ow. I was doing like a lot of that. <laughs> I was having a tough day and just something about I don't know, just something about the crackle of energy through the Zoom. I got the funny feeling that everybody was hearing me be like, I can't believe we're doing this. Ow. But you really were unmuted. I was unmuted the whole time. And I was making all kinds of complaints and weird noises that I wouldn't have done had I known that anybody could hear me. I just say never trust the mute button. I definitely have this feeling. Just remain silent. With my phone. Like my phone is always listening, you know? And it is. It is. Your phone <laughs> is always listening. But I find like when I go to therapy or whatever, I just don't bring my phone in because otherwise I check it 500 times to be like, mm -hmm. am I somehow secretly broadcasting my therapy session on 
MSNBC. Like, how did somehow my phone connect to the loudspeaker on top of the building and whatever I'm working out is somehow being broadcast to everyone on Earth? I mean, we all know it can happen. Yes, I and it can and has. I am totally with Catherine. Like the icon says I'm on mute, but I'm still maybe not on mute. Yeah. Be scared. I was on a training call once and somebody we were talking about it was some office I worked at and we were talking about like how to use the different things. And one of the things was the mute button. And someone said, what's the fail rate on the mute button? <laughs> and it's true. I mean, the basic thing is like, don't say anything near a computer that you don't want other people to hear. I mean, there's no fail rate on the mute button, but the human error factor is I think I'm clicking mute on and I'm clicking it off. You're clicking it off. I mean, they do make it so, right? Like my phone, is this, does white mean Bluetooth is on or mean is blue off or is blue? Like it could just say on or off, but they make it cute and complicated. And Amy and I have done a couple of presentations, live shows where we get mic'd. And so they put the mic on you like 45 minutes beforehand. I've done some TV stuff. They put that mic on you and your brain needs to register. No more talking about anything because the one day that you're like, God, that sound guy was really hot. I thought he was so cute. It's like, oh, my God, I'm talking directly into his ear. Yeah. The house is open and 300 people are coming in and hearing you talking. It's happened to me. They're listening to you. I saw Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. Random person to see in concert at the Greek. And her mic was live backstage. And so it was playing to the entire audience. And all she was saying was like, let's have a really good show and doing her like pre circle up and stuff. But she was lucky. She wasn't saying like, oh, I'm so not in the mood to do this tonight. I'm so tired. I wish these people would just go home. Good thing she's America's sweetheart, huh? She's so adorable. Good thing. She could have stopped being America's <laughs> sweetheart right at that very moment. Hot mic moment. Amy, a lot of people are. Afraid of fish, which I understand. Fish are gross. Chelsea says she can't feed fish because she, when she was little, her mom told her if she fed the fish too much, they would explode. And to this day, she's afraid to feed fish. We've all heard this, right? If you overfeed a goldfish, they will explode. I've definitely heard that. I don't think it's true. I think I, even as a kid, I was like, that's not true. I mean, they will die, but they won't like blow <laughs> up like so. a hand grenade. <laughs> Come at us. When they say explode, they mean like like die. I think so. No, but Chelsea's carried around with her that it's going to. I worry about this around my kids because, you know, you say things offhandedly and I can think of so many things that people said offhandedly to me that stick with you for your whole life in a terrifying way. I had a babysitter. I'm going to say I was seven years old. I was going to sleep and she said, oh, don't ever sleep on your back. You have nightmares when you sleep on your back. One babysitter, one night, you know, 40 something years. Yes. Ago. Downloaded to your hard drive as the, the truest thing you know. To this day, <laughs> right. when I go to lean on my back, I'm like, nope, Chrissy Benora said I would get nightmares. And I'm convinced when I have nightmares, I'm like, I must have been sleeping on my back. It just, someone said it to me once when I was seven. And exactly the same about fish will explode. Like to this day, I'm like, oh, should I feed this fish or is it going to go off like a grenade? Page, can I read pages? She says, finding a dead fish in my shoe is my nightmare. How would this happen? I don't know, but I think about it a lot. <laughs> and then Molly says, a fish in your shoe, new fear unlocked. I mean, maybe in like a sort of a Finding Nemo escape way, they could like get into your shoe. They don't want to be in your shoe. They want to be swimming free. 
I once had a hideous experience where I was in New York City doing a play and I slipped my shoes on and I was like, God, something's itching my foot and it's weird. And I walked around for like 10 minutes and I was like, what the heck is that? And I took my shoe off and I had a roach in my shoe, in my shoe. And it was like, that's what was bothering my shoe. So now I am like a professional shoe inspector. Like I will never put my feet into an unexplored, to this day, an unexplored shoe. I'm like, let me fully explore this shoe before I put it on. Now I know why you like shoes on so much because that removes the opportunity for something to get into the shoe. Nobody's crawling into my shoe without looking. Yeah. So you want me to come to your apartment, take my shoes off. What if a fish gets in there while I'm eating dinner, Amy? (laughs) Think about me, for God's sakes. Jessica says she's afraid of blimps. I don't think you'll have to get in one if you don't want to. I think you can avoid those if you want. Why are there blimps? I mean, ever since the Hindenburg, I'm not really sure we need to keep going with them as an experiment. No. Definitely wouldn't ride in a blimp. I like to see them. I'm always excited when I see a blimp. I'm like, a bl- I always like yell blimp very loud. Like, yeah, yeah. Because they're just so improbable. But I would be okay if there weren't blimps anymore. I would be fine with it. Yeah. Speaking of marked ideas from childhood, Christina cannot eat ramen. Okay. Growing up, her mom told her that she didn't eat the packaged kind because they were bad for your heart. And her mind has been spiraling for decades. So she couldn't have like one bite of ramen noodles. She is afraid that if she takes even a single bite of ramen, her heart will explode. I'm pretty sure that's not true since I lived on those for several years after college. I don't know. Let me tell you, you can eat a package for breakfast, lunch, and dinner all throughout your 20s and be totally fine. I'm living proof. (laughs) Ramen. It's so good. That cheap, salty, salty ramen. Yeah. I don't think I could eat one now. I think if you put it in front of me, I would actually reject it. Oh, I would. Yeah. Still, you could eat like cup of noodles, like a like a salty, you know, fake with a desiccated peas. I've got a salt problem. Like I love super salty things. I mean, I would. Yes, I would sort of find something in my refrigerator leftovers that I could throw in the pot and pretend that I was having something healthy. I'd be lying to myself. Yeah, the old school ramen. I mean, I used to love it. Lots of fears of birds. Shannon says large birds, Mm -hmm. they are very unpredictable. They can run faster than you think, but can also fly. Yes. They have beaks they would definitely use against you if needed. If I go to the beach, I don't take food with me and there will be no feeding of the ducks. Oh, I mean, that is a New York, like, it does freak me out. The, like, 300 pigeons that are gathered at the corner where my subway stop is because somebody thinks it's cute to feed these nasty pigeons. And then if you get too close to them, like, they all take off at the same time. Like, all 700 birds. That freaks me out. That person, I have seen people, like, scream a person off the beach for feeding them French fries. Because it's like, okay, whatever you're getting out of watching a bird eat your french fries, 300 of us are now at risk of being dive bombed and pooped upon by right. 750 birds that you've attracted by feeding that bird a single french right, fry. That you've taught to live here, yes. Yeah, you're a monster. What kind of monster? I agree. What kind of monster? Jenna is terrified of crows. She got dive bombed by a crow when she was a child. And here's her real beef. Why do people think it's exciting to say that crows are intelligent? In fact, she says, they know too much. When people praise crows for how intelligent they are, I'm like, and this is a good thing why, they're simply congregating with their peculiar intelligence to defeat us all. Yeah. She does point out, which I was going to point out, but she's way ahead of me, a group of crows is called a murder. Yeah. She says, thank you for coming to my TED Talk on crows. They're designed to freak us out. They're killing machines. They're monsters. Like God made them freaky. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Do you know the term grackle? No. 
there is a blackbird in the south that's like a feathery crow. I, it might just be a crow, but it's like an extra scary crow because it has like spooky feathers that stick out from its neck and head. And they call it a grackle. And it's a perfect word. And in fact, my sister-in-law at one point yelled out, get out of here, you scraggly grackle at one of these birds. And I thought scraggly grackle was like the perfect name for a punk band, the scraggly grackles. Scraggly grackles. I think if grackle sounds less freaky than crow or raven. Yeah, like a raven is elegant. A crow is like the murder of crows. But a grackle is exactly right. It's a grackle. It's going to grackle you up. A grackle is like you're just gross. Yeah. I was recently forced to listen to a speech about how ravens are actually very intelligent and this and this, like same thing. I'm like, I, I, I'm, not here, I'm not here for the freaky ravens are so smart speech. And also like exactly as Jenna argues, why is that good news? Do we want like a black beaked monster to be intelligent? I mean, they don't really attack you, I guess. Megan says butterflies creep her out. I mean, those those I would say are weren't designed to be freaky. I will say the butterfly garden. Have you ever been to like the butterfly garden at the aquarium? Yes. And you do and don't want them to land on you, right? I find that entire experience horrifying. Like, I'm like, my kids are going to trot upon the butterflies. We're going to kill the butterflies. And then best case scenario, a butterfly is going to land on me. I don't want any part of that. Yeah, I hear you. I want them to. And then I'm also like, what would it feel like? It won't feel like anything. They're, they weigh like a tenth of a paperclip. <laughs> it will be, you'll barely discern its presence. But maybe that's what's so freaky about them. I just, I don't want to, inter as, I don't want to interact with nature. I'm happy watching nature through the glass. I don't need to go into the netted area and, and it's good. I see a butterfly. I'm like, you do you, butterfly. I'll do me over here. I don't even the same space with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, let's I, not put ourselves in a netted room together for any reason. No, let's agree to disagree. Let's coexist. I have the same thing. Another imprinted thing. Yes. Did you ever hear that bats will land in your hair and get tangled in it? I mean, they would. They don't want to. Okay. I don't know. I'd have never heard of anyone who had happened to. It makes it sound because we have a ton of bats where I live. So about twilight, you start seeing bats flying around. And I've grown accustomed to the bats and I'm fine with them now. But as a child, mm -mm. I feel that I was indoctrinated in the belief that any bat that saw me would swoop down immediately. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Like, aha, my chance. For the sole purpose of getting tangled in my hair. And then what? Like, that really is a nightmare scenario. Yeah, bats freak me out. I wasn't sure. I thought you were going to grill me at the beginning. What freaks you out, Amy? And I, I wasn't sure I had the best answer, but it was bats. That's what I couldn't think of. Well, don't come to my house at twilight, Amy, because they're the bats are flapping. But I like the bats. I'm fine with the bats. I just don't I don't want them in the house because they've got rabies and I don't want them in my hair because that's gross. How about sinkholes? How do you feel about sinkholes? Teresa says the whole concept of the earth just opening up and swallowing me is terrifying. I am not afraid of sinkholes. They're just not on my radar. If I thought more about them, I mean, listen, is the idea of being sucked up by the earth appealing, Amy? It's not. But I will say it's just not really on my radar. It's not something I... You don't walk around thinking about it. In my list of irrational fears, getting assassinated by sitting by the window is a 10. Sinkholes are like a, a one. I just... <laughs> and a sinkhole is much more likely to happen. Yes, it probably is. Yeah. I mean, certainly. But I don't know. For some reason, I just don't think about them. This was one Teresa had, an earthquake during LASIK eye surgery. I like the specificity of this. I mean, 
Have you had LASIK eye surgery, Amy? No, because it freaks me out. And now, now I definitely wouldn't because it's an earthquake. It's just funny like that these things would... Do you think the LASIK people have a B plan? Like, do you think they have a plan for when the earthquake strikes during LASIK? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. Do they check in with the seismograph before they start? I definitely have this like when the person is scraping my teeth or working on my teeth. I'm very frightened that someone's going to bump them, even when there's no one else in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems... Yeah, that would be bad. Yes. Absurd that I have sharp things in my mouth and that we're just acting like this is normal. Like, why isn't someone... Like, I think LASIK eye surgery kind of freaks me out. Even though I've had loved ones who have had it done and it's wonderful and it's great. I'm not saying don't do it. I say I, I have hesitancy about it. And perhaps Teresa does too and is sublimating it all into the idea that there might be an earthquake, that that's the only bad thing that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. It wouldn't be great. But it's just a funny thing to put those two things together. Let's finish the segment strong, Amy, with uh, Gina, who is afraid of Kermit the Frog. Really, most Muppets. Elmo is acceptable. Maybe Grover. But the scientist and Beaker, or whoever they are, horrible. But Kermit is the worst. Yeah, Dr. Bunsen and Beaker. She's afraid of them. I think I have mentioned on the podcast that my worst fear as a child, bar none, was the Phantom of the Muppet Show. Now, this is an old Deluxe alert. Back in my day, on the original Muppet Show, there was a character who was called the Phantom of the Muppet Show. He was the Phantom of the Opera. He was like a gray dude with like tendrils that hung off of him. And I loved the Muppet Show. But I was so frightened that the Phantom of the Muppet Show would come on the Muppet Show that I almost couldn't watch the Muppet Show. So I had to work out a whole system with my brothers and sisters that they would tell me if the Phantom of the Muppet Show was coming and when he was gone so that I could enjoy the Muppet Show because I loved it so much, but I was terrified of the Phantom of the Muppet Show. My brother was like this about Don Music, who was the Muppet on Sesame Street. Oh, yes. Yes. Who was a composer, you know, and he's trying to write Mary a little. He would bang his head on the piano. He'd say, oh, I'll never get it. Never. And then he'd bang his head on the piano and that my brother had to sort of hide behind the couch. As soon as Kermit was on screen, he had to go hide because where there was Kermit, there might be a Don Music episode because he was always interviewing him. Yeah. Yeah. There might be Don Music. Yeah, I took my best friend's four-year-old to a Muppet movie, and it was a pirate-themed. It was like, uh, what's that? Sorry, Robinson Crusoe. It had the black dot. Like, you would show someone the black dot, and it's from the story. Like, that meant you were, like, sealing their fate. And he turned to me. He's four years old. He turned to me and goes, are you kidding? This is way too scary for me. <laughs> it was really cute. He was, like, very much indicting me. Like, how could you think of this? You're like, you're right. Oh, Muppets, you're scaring us to death. All right, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's Sports Research, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. And now, things that are legit reasonable to be scared of if you're a mom. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. When your child asks if they can tell you one thing about Roblox. One thing about Roblox. Pro tip, a kid never wants to tell you just one thing about Roblox. When your kid is almost asleep and then they suddenly make eye contact with you. Bedtime is a bust, people. A kid who comes in the door and says they want to show you something really gross that they found outside. Unexpected silence from a toddler. That PTA lady with a clipboard. If she catches you, you are definitely going to end up running the Christmas craft with the fifth graders. A request to help with seventh grade algebra homework. That weird noise that's coming from the dishwasher whose warranty just expired. Your husband asking how long you'd be comfortable with the in-laws staying over the holidays. A call from the school nurse. It's definitely lice. A call from the school principal. Your kid definitely bit someone. This has been things that are legit reasonable to be scared of if you're a mom. From the What Fresh Out podcast. Jimmy is frightened of being sucked in by a semi-truck. Back when I drove a Mustang and would pass a semi-truck, I would be afraid that my car would get sucked under it. I think this may have stemmed from the show Fear Factor, where they had to drive under a semi for one of the challenges. I don't like passing big, big trucks on the highway. Yeah, I don't either. You know, like, and sometimes they do like bob and weave a little bit, and I wonder if they're asleep, and that seems like a good thing to be freaked out about. This is a generalized fear, I feel like. They say that the fear of heights is actually a fear that you're going to jump, that that's the fear. Yeah. And it is like the hinges of the table chasing your fingers or, yes, that somehow even looking at something, like if there's like a log thing, you know, those things that eat logs, a mulcher, I think it's called, that even if I was looking at it through the window while I sat at my desk, like eating logs. Like a wood chipper. Yeah, yeah. I would turn away because somehow that wood chipper is going to suck me out of my desk chair mm -hmm. and into it. Like, I don't like looking at things that are very destructive because somehow they're going to get me. You're supposed to say, yes, that's totally normal. That won't happen. No, that won't happen. That would never happen. Elaine has a irrational fear of ceiling fans. Okay. Yeah. As a child, could not be in the same room with a running ceiling fans. Helicopters are a big nope. Even hearing them outside increases my anxiety. This is the same kind of fear. Somehow the ceiling fan is going to get you, even though it's way over your head. 
I don't worry it's going to get me. I do sometimes look at a ceiling fan and imagine myself like jumping up and grabbing it and like whipping around like on it and then being stuck like holding on to it. That wouldn't be great, but it wouldn't hurt me. I want to say that my dad's house has some unfortunately placed ceiling fans. They're too low. And so one of them is a room with bunk beds. And I finally, we had taped it off because it's basically the kind of thing that it was at eye level on the top bunk. So like if you were in the top bunk and you went to lean over to talk to someone in the lower bunk, you would put your head into the ceiling fan. And again, it's wood. It just gunk, 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 knocks you. It's not that it cuts your head off. It's just that it hurts. And the ceiling fan in the room that I stay in is low. And twice I have been getting dressed and put my hands over my head and put my fingers into the ceiling fan. And it hurts. It's not like they're not choppy blades. You know what I mean? So they don't really get you, but it hurts. Let we go with a more low stakes fear. Again, this is definitely like imprinted in my head as a child. Sheila says, I am convinced somebody is going to die electrocuting themselves by touching a butter knife to the toaster. I definitely learned that you would die if you did that, like immediately, indefinitely. Yes. My mom used to have like a little pair of wooden tongs that attached to the toaster that you could use to pull the toast out so that you weren't tempted to dig in with a knife. People must do this all day, every day. I guess it shocks and breaks the toaster. It doesn't kill you. We would be hearing (laughs) about mass deaths if this was something that actually killed you. Yeah. And I'm not going to like come out in support of the practice, I will say that I've unlearned this, like this is something that's going to definitely happen 100% if you stick a knife in the toaster. I'm here to say that might not be how it ends for you. Danielle says, I have an irrational fear of tiny holes, like the honeycomb or the hideous dried lotus flower. Something happens to my spine where I literally want to curl in a fetal position. Are you familiar with this? And do you know that it is a cataloged and recognized fear? I'll tell you why I know about it, because one of my kids has it. And that's creeping me out right now, like looking at something that had little holes in it, like a coral or like a sponge. And I was like, whatever. And then they finally found this and brought this to me like they had seen it on TikTok or something like this is a thing. And yes, it's a thing. Trypophobia. It's a thing. And I honestly thought it was a little bit of a show, but this kid will like visibly recoil at something that has little holes in it. Never thought of that. Never heard of that. Stay away from honeycombs. (laughs) Stay away from honeycombs. In the category of things people say offhandedly that will scar you for life. When Jenna was little, her mom said, it's windy outside. Better hold my hand or you'll blow away. She's still scared of the wind. And she's still worried when it's windy that she might actually blow away like Mary Poppins or something. Yeah, I have this too in the movie Twister. Old Deluxe Alert. Back in my day. It's all the tornadoes. And they were saying also that the wind, like it picks up little stones and they become, they become like bullets, like they hit you. And then I got that scared. Like it's not so much that the wind is going to blow me away, but it's going to blow like little rocks into me that are going to kill me. It's going to blow little rocks into you? So there's a whole new fear. They say that like in a really bad twister, it picks up all sorts of pebbles and rocks. And so if it hits you, one of the ways it kills you is that the debris in it kills you. And so now I've added that to my list of irrational fears that like wind is going to blow stuff on me. All right. Yeah. I mean, just just keeping up with the list, Amy. Justine has one that. I mean, it's the worst. Terrified that she'll look out the window of her house and someone will be outside looking in. Not doing anything, but just making eye contact. That I mean, because they're doing something would be fine. But when they're just standing there looking at you, 
this is the fear that like everybody has, right? Like when I'm closing up the house at night, it's like, there's just going to be someone for no reason standing on my patio, like, hello. And why someone would do that is pretty confusing, right? Like, right. What's really in it for them? I just stand and stare in your windows like a creeper. And hope somebody walks by. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because he's been there for like four hours being like, oh, they're still reading bedtime stories. All right. It's still, it's got to keep standing here. My creepy stare is still intact, though. I got it. And it's like, oh, shoot. Tonight she went to bed without looking out. All right. I'll be back tomorrow night. We'll start the whole thing again. Right. We'll start all over again. Like he's been out there for eight nights doing his creepy stare, but it's the ninth night when I'm like, oh, you got me. I want to make Kim feel better about this one. She says, every time I walk between two cars in the street that are parallel parked, one in front of the other, Kim is afraid one will magically start up and smash into the other one, crushing her legs at the kneecaps. I have had this fear as long as I can remember and have absolutely zero idea how it originated. I mean, it originated because she's absolutely correct. It's the most terrifying of sensations. You know what she's talking about, like parallel parked cars. And so the bumpers are right at your kneecaps. And so there's six inches of space between the cars. And you're like, let me just smooch through, turn sideways and smooch through the two cars. And then somehow one of them is going to be like, she's here and smoosh. And break your kneecaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never worried about that. Never considered it. I guess I will now. I think I'm a really good worrier. My husband sometimes says, you really worry everything out. We were talking about this with Tiffany Jenkins on her episode in terms of like real anxiety, but that her brain kind of looks at every situation I was just in New York City. The kids all just ride their scooters around the sidewalk and across the crosswalks. And I'm like, but what if the cars like jump the curve and hit the Like, it doesn't make any sense. I think I have a brain that is wired towards what is the disaster that could happen here. That's how I feel on a ski hill. Like, I can't really enjoy myself. I learned to ski as an adult. I did not learn to ski as an adult, I should say. I tried. And there I was on the, on the bunny slope with all these kids just flying everywhere and not worried at all about what was happening, right? No pools, not looking where they were going. And I couldn't relax for a second because I was, it was not myself I was worried about. It was about these 40 kids all around me, just like somebody's going to get hurt. I just couldn't get past it. I couldn't enjoy it for a minute. It's funny. The closer it gets to rational, the less it bothers me. Like that is much more likely to happen and yet doesn't bother me. <laughs> like, okay. And yet the idea that like... I'm walking on the sidewalk and someone is just randomly going to decide to drive off the road and run me over. Terrifying. Like, I think, I don't know. That's how my brain protects me, obviously. Let's make everybody feel better by ending with a really, really unlikely thing that is still, you're, that's allowed to freak you out. Please. The more unlikely, the better. Cheryl says, what's up with weasels? My neighbor said one killed like 10 of her yard chickens, decapitated them and drank them up. No, thank you. Cheryl's freaked out by weasels. I live in New York City. I'm going to sleep great tonight. I'm not too worried about weasels. I'm extremely freaked out by chickens. They have really beady eyes and they have yucky claws. A lot of the people in my town have chickens and I don't want any part of them. And then like a lot of people in your town have chickens. It's become a big thing in the suburbs. Everybody's got to have a chicken. It's a thing like you can have a chicken coop. Like to lay eggs. Yeah. To lay eggs and just to have be a person who has chickens. I don't know. And then they have little beady eyes and my niece joined the Peace Corps and she's a like a vegan vegetarian animal lover person. And she knew that part of her job would be like processing that killing chickens, basically. And she was worried about it. Like, oh, you know, it's part of how a lot of villages, you know, eating chickens. And 
she's like, I don't know if I can kill a chicken. And then she worked with the chickens for like a month. And she's like, I will kill them myself. <laughs> like she developed such a loathing for chickens. I think maybe they're biologically designed to be horrifying <laughs> because she was like, I can't wait to kill these chickens. There's something about them that's alarming, right? Like if this was bigger, it would kill me. Yeah. And they just have a very unfortunate interface. They're like spiky beaks, beady eyes, rubbery chicken waddle thing. They're just, they're, they're unpleasant animals. You just give me a new episode idea for the future. Unfortunate interfaces. <laughs> I've got a ton to talk about there. Friends, I hope you know that Amy and I have not only a podcast, but a podcast network, Atalist Media, and we would love you to check out all of the Atalist Media podcasts at atalistmedia.com. Please subscribe to all of our shows. Yeah, that's the best way to help a show grow is by subscribing or following or whatever that might be called in your podcast app that you're listening right now. We'll put a link to the Atalist Media podcast network in the show notes. So it's super easy. You can do it right now. And if you want to dive into even more bizarre fears. We barely scratched the surface of this thread. Check it out on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash whatfreshhellcast and see all of the other lunatic fears that we did not get to address today. We salute you and the weird stuff that freaks you out. <laughs> we salute you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm -hmm. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.